Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. A very special Royal Blue Podcast today, because not only is myself, Phil Kirkbride, and Gav Buckland as regulars, but we have a special guest in the studio. It is Ronnie Goodless. Ronnie, very welcome. Thanks very much to see you, Phil. Always uh, good to see Gav as well. <laughs> and Ronnie... Um, there's a special reason why we've got you in, not just because we want to talk to you and you're, you're a friend of the Echo, but explain to the listeners, you've been working on a uh, secret project that went public uh, last week. Just explain to us what you've been doing. Well, for a long time, um, Phil, you know, people have asked me to write a book. Obviously, I do after dinner. We do charity functions and that. But uh, I think when you're out having a pint or two, you're, uh, you start telling a few stories. And it just come to a stage where I was getting asked, so so much I just thought well why not and I think it's the right time to do it I've done it from obviously being a blue nose from a, a very young age to, to up to now where we hope it's a new era but um seen some fabulous players down the years have been the history and sort of heritage of the club I wanted to tell my side of it why I'm an Evertonian and uh, obviously up to the present day why I want us to get back to where we used to be and uh, you, you know when I keep saying about changes and managers and this that and the other and I think you said about touching on you know a couple of recent managers. Um, you know we've got everything, everything to be a, a big, big club again. And obviously Farad Mashiri coming, I think he'll will help a lot. But um, I, you know I wanted to get my point of view across, and it's not it's not flowered. It's from the heart. It's it's true. Um, you know I know a lot of books. Uh, you know don't get down to the nitty gritty. I mean mine <laughs> mine, mine certainly <laughs> does. And uh, there's a few chapters there. I think it'll make you laugh. Uh, hopefully it'll make you think as well uh, right. about. Uh, you know what could be again, what yeah. was, and uh, obviously the quality and world-class players and winning championships. But but given the Evertonians again, which on Saturday I think I think we got the supporters back, and that's for me old old cliche. It's a twelfth man. It, it is. I mean, Goodison when it's bouncing, uh, is a scary place for visitors, but the home supporters you just can't wait for the next game. And you know I certainly I'll be at Bournemouth obviously, but. I can't wait, you know, for the the other field game, and let's uh, just keep, uh, you know, keep the trend going. Gav, uh, just quickly bring you in. Uh, Ronnie says you felt like we got the supporters back on Saturday. Did you agree with that? You were at the game with us as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it was not hard to get the supporters back after last season. To be fair, uh, yeah, and and you could see, don't we? We could see a style of play that we could all identify with, which we'll touch on later. You spoke yeah. about modern football, didn't you, Phil, on Saturday evening? And I think. People saw that on Saturday, and and they can associate with that, and I think uh, that was good to see. Yeah, as Gav says, we will come back on to uh, Michael Silver and the, and the new look Blues, but we are first of all here to talk about Blue Nose, my football story from every angle, on the terraces, in the dressing room, and on the radio. Ronnie, really, really looking forward to getting our hands on a copy. Just explain to the listeners when and where and how you can physically get hold of your book. Well, you can pre-order it. I mean, it's on, on our website, um, Health Through Sport. Um, you can get it through that. But I've got, which again, Everton have been fabulous. Um, you know, when I approached them and 
they said why not have it here and uh, it's Alex Young my, my first idol until Alan Ball joined the club and, but it's in the Alex Young suite on the 6th of September and the way things fall it's actually my birthday you know I'll be 35 um, what are you laughing at Gav? <laughs> and, uh, you, you know I, I want people there obviously um, you know to enjoy the book but to, to be a good occasion and, and it just fills in with everything you know I wanted to do and you know the book's finished, but the launch is is there, and and, and that's what you, you know. I'm, I'm I sort of like about it as well. So uh, just so, so so the details for people who are interested: September the sixth, Goodison, Alex Young Suite, and tickets are fifty five pound. Uh, but it includes a couple of well, it includes many things, doesn't it? The price of the ticket. Well, it includes three course meal. Um, we've got a signed copy of the book. Obviously, if you want to personalise, I'll be there on the night. <laughs> Well, it would be a bit strange if it wasn't there. Now, <laughs> it? But, um, you know, Joe Royal, who'd done the forward, will be there. We've got, you know, Tony K, John Bailey, um, all the usual crew, uh, you know, were there. And it, it, it's something, I think it, it's to celebrate, hopefully, um, we're going to get back to, to where we used to be. But sort of with the book, I, I've been lucky, you know, I, I was, you know, born a long time ago. But, uh, you know, I've seen sort of Everton win it in 62, and then you've got 66, the cup file, which uh, I touch on all these in the book. Well, it's when people are reading it. You know, we haven't won a, won a trophy since 1995, and it, it, you just think that that's too long for a club like Everton Football Club. And we sell out every week. I mean, I'm amazed, which will happen at Bournemouth. You know, I've been there at half five on a Saturday night, and the tickets allocation's gone within a thing about two minutes. Mm. You know, so it's time, obviously, for everyone to come together. But as I say, with Mr. Mishiri, hopefully it is coming together. And I think it's a good start with, with, with them too. But it's the sixth. And as I say, we've got a signed copy. And Mick Miller, it's my birthday. He said he's going to come along. So he's going to finish the nights off. Right. He's, a, he's a funny man. And um, it'd be lovely to see uh, you know everybody there. I mean, I mean appreciate uh, people now who have been saying some lovely things uh, after the game on Saturday when they found it out. But we only put it, put it out on... Twitter briefly, yes, and it was a great response. And uh, as I say, I appreciate everyone and all the nice comments. But you know, we're, we're, we're trying to obviously sell as many books as we can. You know, profits are going to help through sport, my charity. Um, and it, it, it's great when I say about Evertonians coming over saying, Ron, you never told me about the book. I mean, th- there's people close to me, I couldn't even say it to them. It's just that we wanted to announce it. I mean, Gav's you know, done really well, but it's um. You know, researching and getting the stuff, which you know, after games I can't even remember. But from when, uh, <laughs> but for when I joined the club as a young, you know, lads at, at 15, you know, play for English school boys, and all of them, you know, were after me. They wanted to sign, and great story about Shanks and Bob Paisley coming, you know, the house. And you know, when you look back, you just think, no, you know, once Everton come knocking, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm there, and um, it's as I say, it, it's. It, it's it's sort of a book of love, and, and as I say, I just hope everyone enjoys it. But as, as I say, there's a motive to it as well. We want to raise funds, obviously. But um, you know, everyone that's come over, you, you know, after that, I, I can't wait for it on here. I'll buy one, which is which is lovely. Um, and Gav, just before I bring you in, um, and also Ronnie, I need to mention as well. There's actually September the fifth uh, in Heswell at Lingham's. Um, there's a Q and A night and a signing option for the book with you. Um, Eight pound for a ticket, and again, they available on your website. It's it's again, uh, Phil, and and also on on uh, Lingham's. Um, you know, they were fabulous. I've been I've been there before, and they always said if you ever wrote a book, you've got to have one here. And lucky enough, we had that date on the fifth, so it's like a pre-launch on the other side of the water. The eight pound ticket, we're going to do a Q and A. Ken Rogers is coming, so we'll have a talk, and then I'll do a Q and A after that. But a signed book, but the eight pound comes off the book. 
So really, once you're there, you know, and a free, free drink as well, Phil. Oh, so that can't hey, be bad. Hey, I think Gavin. I think Gavin is just coming over for that. <laughs> but um, but again, it's it's um, it'd be lovely to see them there, and, and I do a chapter on Tranmere as well, which which is lovely. I mean, Mark Palios has been great. Uh, played in the same team as Mark, and Mark's wrote uh, you know a, a nice piece in it. Brian Hamilton has as well, and you know I can go on all day about people who've contributed, yeah. but that's what I wanted to do. I mean. People remember the League Cup final, obviously, in the FA Cup, but I, I do other stories about other games. But the semi-final goal, which people still talk about today from that Welsh fella. Um, but I've got it from Mike Pedgick, Bruce Rioch, and, and these fellas don't really talk to the press, but Bruce was great, Brian Hamilton, Ken McNaught, um, you know, everyone who's not just involved in the goal, but in the semi-final. And you'll see different things from different angles and the way Liverpool... Um, I mean, I, I don't want to tell you too much about no, it. No, no, yeah. You know, people will get it, and and, and again, people say I was there on it was in the kit back. You know, the kit back said we should have won that. That was terrible. It was that. So I've got it from a player's point of view. You know, I know the way the supporters think about it, but from players as well. You know, I don't think there's a day goes by that you don't think about it. Yeah. You know, and um, it, it's it, it's something again, little stories that p- people you know from the dressing room, and, and as I say, you know, true stories, not 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 flowered or made up. Gav, when um, when you heard last week that Ronnie was writing a book. What what was what was your first thought in terms of oh I hope that's in it or oh, I want to know if, if what about this? <laughs> well, I heard a long time ago because I've obviously helped Ronnie with quite a um, mostly Ronnie's career and before he got on the first team, which was quite interesting in itself. Really, the old uh, in in the days when there was a lot more uh, we talk about academies now when when reserve team football and, and sort of younger team football was a lot high high profile perhaps one of those now even. Um, and so it must be about a year ago, and just before last Christmas. And I th- what I would say, and I don't want to find it on here, is like there's a lot of old players who don't remember a lot about games he played in. But Ronnie's memory about his early times at Everton was phenomenal. I mean, I'd be sitting at a pub on a Saturday night, and next went the phone and saying, <laughs> hey, "Hey, Gav, you remember that eighteen game I played at Berry in 1970? Can you just check whether the score?" And um, so there's lot, and there's great going in the loft again. Loads of my old records out and stuff of of, of reserve teams and A and B team games in, in from the early seventies. And one of the things he did learn, and, and I know Ronnie may touch on the book. Those are the times, and, and we speak about this in the pod, where like age group level now you only play against players of the same age. Where in those days, even down to like A team level, you you'd often play against first teamers from other clubs or with first teamers from, from your own team and it's fascinating when you, you look at the time about like even when Ronnie when you were starting when you'd be like 18, 19 you were playing against like re, with or against big names yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and, and um, that, that it's fascinating to see how like the history of the game and, and the way the game's developed has changed over the years when you look back look back on it and and the, the, Ronnie was like when you read the, the reports of Ronnie's like games for England at Wembley, you know you were quite, as you say, you were quite highly thought of then, weren't you? In terms of being sort of like somebody that clubs would be interested in, and I think um, you played like Holland, Germany, yeah, and all that. that you know, when they they were big games in themselves, weren't they? Then like you you know well, football games. You, you've got fallouts there. I mean, I think again to get across, you know, going back to. The Central League and A team and B team, and as Gav said, I mean, we were playing against Rochdale, who were grown men at, at fifteen, yeah. and and talk about you know when you could tackle, 
Yeah, you know, honestly, the amount of times I had to get a boot from you know my backside off, off the big six foot two fullback, but you know there was only one sub in the first team, so the central league was so competitive that age, and we played one which I mentioned in the book when Nobby Styles and Pat Creighton played in a, in a game, and there's a funny story about it. But they they you know obviously you know Nobby won the World Cup, and then you've got two years before this story, uh, they won the European Cup. And they're playing in the Central League, you know, now, yeah. the little preciouses don't want to do that. You, you, you know, I'm too good to play the under-23s. or so You did then, and, and again from the B team, you know, this is why I wanted sort of people to know about it. You know, if you've played the game, um, obviously it's hard to break through, it really is. And, and whenever we're, we're top club, you know, it is hard to break through. But again, that's having the character, you know, the quality, obviously. But some of the names, the name when we won the Lancashire League, and there was 11 players, which they all played in the first team. And, you know, from Mick Lyons, you know, Steve Sarge, Mick Buckley, Terry Darica, you go on and on. And again, we, we think we've got a great academy now, which, yeah, OK. But when you think back to our day, it's always been a conveyor belt seven football club for, you know, playing kids. And, you know, that's where we need it. That's the heart and soul of any club. Mm. And I want to get back to that. And, and as Gav said, you know, he's totally right about... Uh, you know, it, it's a different mentality now with players and and you know competitive. I mean, you could be a first team player and don't kick a ball for for a month, six yeah. weeks, because there's no fixtures. And as I say, they won't play in this because I'm too good for that and whatever. You, you have to do that. And I keep saying about going back to when you know we're cleaning the boots this time. You know, you mix with the first team. Uh, you know, not socially, but listening to stories and all that. And it was such a togetherness. Yeah. And, and again, you wanted to get where they were. And, and, and that's the push, but it kept you grounded. And this again, why I wanted to write the book about it. Uh, you know, I don't begrudge anyone what they earn, but but what I mean is, is that you, for me, have got to go out and give everything for the cause. Give your best you can do from that early age to be as best as you can. And uh, you, you know, no one's the finished article. There never has been. You know, I always say Pelly best football there ever been, but there's a few knocking on the door now who think, hang on, we're better. But they've got to work hard every single day to. You know to get where they were, and um, as, as I say, you know, hope, hope uh, you know Everton get back to uh, where we should be. And speaking about playing in that old Central League with with pros as well, you can therefore you can probably understand why David Unsworth is banging the drum for B team football to be introduced into the English pyramid because he wants Everton's yeah. under twenty threes to be playing in League Two, the Conference even. Um, you know because he like probably like you, Ron, he understands the value of playing against proper men pros, senior pros, every week? It's like I say about pre-season, Phil. Pre-season is nothing. All pre-season is, is when you kick that ball, which we had a three o'clock kick-off for a change, <laughs> is three o'clock, that first game, you're in some type of touch, you're organised, your fitness levels are right up there, and off you go. Now, it's similar with under-23s, no disrespect to that league, but do us a favour, not competitive. And, and some of the games you watch is not the best you've got to be competitive and that was in you know the central league to get in the central league team you had to be one good player and then as soon as you played you're thinking i've got to show the gaffer here that i can do the business and and similar with you know grown men tackles and all that when you're playing in front of two or three hundred people it, it, it it's not giving you the best uh, grounding to go on to play in front of you know 30 40 50 60 000. You know, you know, you've got to do it. And as I say, it's like a boxer. You've got to be 
you know, right up to it, competitive. And, and as I say, as soon as that whistle goes, you're there. But I don't think it's, it's competitive enough. I totally agree with Unzi. I've said it for years. I mean, I mean, it's too nicey nicey. And, and, and again, you, you know, you've got to give your all. And when you come off the pitch, if you're ready for the following game to play for the first team, you're up for it. I mean, that, it's the Labour appointment. Seamus made these points last week, didn't he? Mm. You know, that it was a little bit too too soft and the players are moddy coddled a little bit uh, compared to your you know your day which doubtless you talk about in the book and I think that is an issue and it's just such a big gap it's now like academy to first team is like the old A team to first team isn't it it's, yeah. it's like yeah. you, you've, you've lost that that reserve team football and you know we don't want to go into the detail but everything in the game over the last 20 years has gone against that hasn't it you know bigger first team squads seven substitutes overseas players mm. managers on short-term contracts has sort of stopped mm. that like sort of like you know younger players coming into the uh, first team and, and I think that's something that needs to happen um, but it's a world away uh, from, from from Ronnie's day but it, it, as you say it's quite you could be playing against Paddy Clarence in a mm. like as you see in a cup game in 1970 played in the European Cup mm. with Nobby Stars two years before both playing at Goodson well as I say experience yeah. is everything you, you know, you, you could play, you know, you turn up, you play the game, you, you, you get off there. You know, we're talking about a game, you know, 40 years ago. Now, the thing with that, I can remember as if it was yesterday. And, and as I say, to play against players like that, that's where you get your grounding and your experience. Not playing against, uh, you know, an under-23 lad who, who really is not going to raise the bar for you. And then you come off the pitch. I mean, I think Afton could put the kit back on the peg. You know, now, the old point about it, again, is is getting in that first team. You, you know, I'd rather have quality than quantity. And I think a lot of people now, and, and I hope Silver's doing, I think he said it the other day, he wants to cut the squad down. I mean, obviously, get the players who aren't going to take us forward. But a squad that's competitive, you cover it, but the, but, but you're not, you're not, you haven't got like 35 players and, and then with the kids. And, you know, I've, as I said before, you know, local kids are the lifeblood of, of, of any football club. And... You don't talk about wages, you know, eventually you do or your agent will. You just want to put that shirt on and go out there and be really competitive and die for the cause. But um, I think it's it, it's got to come back. I mean, it, it keeps changing. But as I say, the more, you know, people come into the game, maybe like Jose Mourinho, they want it instant. You know, you may as well, you know, all the traditions of Man United, similar to ourselves, great kids coming through. Eric Addison was my youth team coach. He goes there, <coughs> you know, gets the, the Beckhams and, you know, gigs and all these through and... Gary Neville touched on it last night and mentioned Eric, you know, really give it to you if, if he wasn't pulling your weight. But I tell you what, he was different class, you know, coming off. And, and a thumbs up from him, you're thinking, I must be playing good. Mm. But but that's what football's about. You know, you've got to take the good with the bad. But you've got to have someone there that's going to be, you know, like Harry Catterick. You know, when you look at Harry Catterick, the, the kids he got through. I always say about when we won the championship, 69-70, seven come through the youth team. Yeah. Now, I know times have changed but you can still have a good youth team you know if you're from another country or, or whatever but everything like Mourinho it's instant he signed 29 30 year old players to say we've got to have instant success instead of breathing you know kids coming through you know I'm not saying every single season you're going to get three four and five but you, you, you keep ticking over and I think I think it's massive and uh, we, we've got to get back to that but uh, I think we've got to take a real look at that under under 23 level to be far more competitive Gav, uh, Ronnie neatly brought us on to uh, Mr. Catterick. Uh, for our younger <laughs> listeners, um, before I ask Ronnie about his experience with, with, with Harry, for our younger listeners, how good a manager w- was, was Harry Catterick? 
Harry Catterick was uh, manager of the top draw. Um, sadly overlooked for many reasons, which we won't go into when people reminisce about the 1960s. I think Harry, yeah, there's a couple of things about Harry that I would say that um, perhaps lost when he, when you compare him against the, the, the Giants of his era, like Shankly, Busby, Revy, Bill Nicholson. What pe- they they all had success at one club with Harry. Harry had it with two clubs in two completely different circumstances. But he took Sheffield Wednesday on on a, on a shoestring from the old second division to second in the top flight, managing with no money. But then came to Everton, where he had money. And he, 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 he I I was liking Harry to a bit like when Mourinho went to Chelsea in two thousand and four, where he had to deliver an instant success because Moore's John Moore's who was the Everton team at the time was obviously. You know, the owner of Littlewoods or had a Littlewoods. Um, he wanted instant success, so it was quite demanding. Um, but the good thing about Harry, again, compared to his competitors, what he was able to do was, and you just threw that the two are there on, he, is he won two titles with Evan in two completely different circumstances. In 63, when basically he was given the squad and he, in, he added to it, um, and he brought Tony Kay in and, and the likes. And won it under you know high pressure, like Mourinho at Chelsea. And then in seventy, as Ronnie said, he won it in completely different circumstances with a team. But seven, but seven of them that came through the youth team. So he, he he was a great manager in that he was he was flexible in the way he won things and he was able to manage in completely different environments. And that for me made him made him a, a managerial great. But there's lots of reasons, which I'm sure Ronnie will touch on, why he's not. Celebrated in the same way as as other uh, as other managers at the same time when he, his record stands equally uh, with them or even better I, I would say and uh, for that reason he was a great manager. Ronnie, well, is, 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 is it quite a big chapter on Harry or quite a big bit of the book about Catrick? Well, well, I'll do it through it, uh, Phil. But but as Gav's just said, I mean I, I was sort of delighted with, with the research. You know, Gav sent me stuff over. I was up to three o'clock in the morning reading about it. You know, we Sheffield Wednesday. You ask any player. And Tony Kay comes, all the dudes, you know, really good friend of mine, and, and you know, what a signing he was. Loved the cat, absolutely loved him. And he said, at Sheffield Wednesday, um, you know, we were going out and, and they played in Europe. You, you know, they were in Europe and beating teams, and I mean, good teams. And fantastic, um, you know, the way they played. And as I said with Tony, Tony ends up coming, winning the championship with us. But cat, again, when you've got a fella across the park who's so extrovert, is great to listen to. And you, you know, you, you're very weary of the press. The cat was, you know. We used to, you, you know, if you'd come, he'd, he'd keep you waiting for about four hours downstairs. But uh, it's like Allardyce. But but, it, but he's sort of like him, um, you know, the way Harry wanted to do. It. And as I say, he never courted anything like that. But as Gav said, what a good manager. You know, you asked Joe Royal, you know, Colin Harvey, whoever. And if you know, if Bally was alive, God love him, um, he'd tell you the same. He, he had like a fear factor, a bit like Alex Ferguson. You know, he'd come down and you know we'd look at you. And you think, oh, well, there we go. But he'd done it with everyone. But again, he, he got them playing. And as I say, 4 3 3, we played in 69 70. Barcelona pinched it off us. <laughs> and when you look at it, you, you know, you watch, and it's one of my favourite games, um, and I've seen a lot of Everton games, is the 67 game where we beat Man United 3 1 at Goodison. It's on YouTube, it's fantastic. It shows you Bowley scoring too, but the Golden Vision, Alec Young. Skip and pass, you know, that's when he was loved. And I, I looked at that and I thought, if you don't fall in love with Everton Football Club after this, you know, you, you, you don't like football. And that's the way it was. And that was the cat, you know, the cat done it, you know, with, with a young side 
Um, but he took a chance with kids. You know, again, you, you know, there's a lot of managers now, and I know circumstances change, wouldn't do it, but the cat did. And, you know, as Gav said, he had to come, he had to deliver, but then six odd years later, he, he's, he's doing it all. You know, why would Bowley come in? Shanks wanted him bad, but he signed for Everton. So Cat had the pull as well. And, and John Moores, I mean, I've got a chapter on, on John Moores and Bill Scott. Um, you know, the two of them, fantastic. But w- what an iconic person who had a lot of money, put his money where his mouth was, and knew everything on at the club. And I tell a story in the club which really took me back about myself, um, which was lovely. And, and, and that's what you, you know, you want a, a fella who's at the top leading. You, you want and to know everything about the club, but all pull in the same direction, you know, sort of, sort of setting up everything up. And let's say from kids up to first team players, everyone knew, you, you, you know, you wanted to be at that, that club. Yeah, th- 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 there was a point about when you, when you look back at that time, it's certainly the early 60s with Evan, what's relevant to the, to the day is that John Morse was a great believer in getting everything right behind the scenes. He, he always felt that if you got like the coaching, the administration, the general management of a club right, if you then got that like the right manager in, then your chances of success improve significantly. And it's a bit like what Everton have struggled with over the last couple of years, isn't it? That aspect to it in terms of like getting the, the governance of the, the club right, you know, getting the director of football right and getting those relationships right. And you see with brands coming in and, and silver coming in, the, the, you know, you can see us on the right right track and John, John Moore's always believed you had to get that right off the pitch before you had success on the pitch and there's lots of relevant stuff with Everton then what there is what there is today and hopefully we're on on the right lines you know and, and two league titles are, are you know are, <laughs> no, but are forthcoming you, but there's lots of lots of lots oh, of, yeah, lots but of similarities f- but when you think the foresight of, of John Moore's oh yeah yeah you know, two championship FA Cup it was only sadly because his wife was ill he, he had to take a step back so that's our look again. But, you know, as Gav said, that's what you've got to do. But because of the retail background he had, and, and started with nothing, by the way, and, and you know, built built the Pools Empire up and, you know, everything else is, you know, fabulous. But you sort of look at Everton Football Club, you could see it. And, and everything's got to be right. And as I say, get the right people in the right positions. Mm. And I just think, you know, we seem to say two steps forward and three steps back. But hopefully now, you know, from especially the last manager, uh, we are going in the right direction. And I, I mentioned about, you know, we've made a shuffle now uh, at boardroom level. We've got a new CEO in. You know, obviously we all missed, you know, sort of wish Denise all the best. And Richie Kenyon's come in. And we, we've gone, as, as Gav said, with uh, with Marco and Marcel. You know, the two of them are young, hungry people as well. And I know from PSV Eindhoven with Dick Advocat. Dick Advocat played at Denag with me, but he was PSV Eindhoven managing the Dutch. You know, to, to be PSV, you, you've got to be top draw. You know, they, they do it worldwide. And I've always said about any football club has got to have a good network. And I don't, we, I don't think we have. You know, now, you, you know, I'm, I'm going back to Steve Walsh and a few others, you know, bad start signings. And you've sort of got a new uh, sort of partnership have come in now. And, and everyone, it, it, it's set up where, you, you know, where hopefully we can, uh, instead of failing, we can kick on. And, you know, the signs up to now are, are really good. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Ron, um, sort of jumping from period to period a little bit, but you mentioned Holland. When you when you moved to play in the Dutch league, did it feel quite? Were people a little bit in awe of the fact that you'd made the jump, and people think, God, it's a brave move to go and play over there at the time? And well, I was the first one, Phil. I mean, Keegan went, went after me. 
So to go over, it was just again. I, I don't want to keep repeating myself. It's in the book, but I say about Gordon Lee and about other things and circumstances and whatever. And w- when I finally moved, um, you've got to win that dressing room. So I've got a bit of empathy with with foreign players when they come over here. You know, we, 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 you know, think of you go in a dressing room, different culture, um, different language, um, different. You know, well, the way I am. Um, you know, I had a couple of things with players or whatever but that's just the way we are um, but again you've got to win them over they're, they're not oh yeah I remember Ronnie Goodish he played forever and he's done this and he's done that you've got to go over there and impose yourself on it and I still go back you know often I used to go at, at least two or three times a year and it, it, it's it's great when I say about sort of culture wise and it's a character builder and this is where, where it's happening now where you loan players out you, you know, okay, I think it's a great idea. You go out and, and see what you're missing when you come back to Finch Farm and Goodison. You're spoilt. Go out there, learn your trade, and then when you come back, and, and all this is, is what I think it's all about. And, you, you know, I keep saying over foreign players when they come over, it, it, you know, you've got to win us over. It's not the opposite way around. And, and, and that's where I think some players come over and think they've paid X amount for me. Well, get out there and show us why we've paid that. And, you know, just a quick while over to Charleston. I know he's played in the Premier League, but the crowd's talked to him, but he's talked to us as well. He's thinking, I'll have a bit of this. So, we, you know, it works both ways, but players have, have got to, you know, they get paid vast amounts of money. And as I said before, I don't begrudge anyone earning money like that. But go out there and, and you know, show, you, you know, why we've paid that money for you as well. Uh, we're here talking about Blue Nose, my football story from every angle on the terraces in the dressing room on the radio, Ronnie Goodless's book which is available next month Gav when you know as, as a Blues fan at that time when you saw Ronnie's gone to Holland what were your thoughts uh, why <laughs> because nobody, nobody went um, I mean I can only, I only did you Kevin went after I remember Roger Davis played in Belgium didn't he remember he played for Derby around the same time wasn't it it was just such an unusual unusual move and and um, it, it even now, it seems unusual because there's, there's still not a lot. I mean, we make we, there's, there's a lot of publicity over the last twelve months of like a few English players who, who've gone, yeah, gone to play in Germany. Yeah. Say, yeah. It, it, it's still even forty forty years later, an, an unusual uh, move for, for English players to make. I know you were slightly a little bit older. How would you be in the seventy seven? Would you be in like you yeah, been around? But, yeah. but the thing, the thing in seventy four, yeah. uh, 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 you know, you've got Holland got the World Cup final yeah. with Germany. All the top players were still playing in Holland. Yeah. They hadn't gone. So by the time I go over, they got to the, the World Cup final in 78. So I'm playing against, you know, top draw players. Yeah. Um, you know, Jan Peter scored two. You know, at Wembley, you've got Rude Kroll, you've got Vim Subi. You know, I, I can go on and on and on. Fabulous players playing at PSV Eindhoven, Full House, Ajax, Feyenoord. You know, we scored the winner against Feyenoord and Knack Braden, which is in the book. Anyway, that's a shock, isn't it? Yeah. But, uh, no, well, but I mean, I, I mean, I mean, don't forget, England never qualified. Yeah. You, you know, so so their top draw, that's a country top draw, and and you know the football again with the wing. I always remember where you know they want to express themselves and they could pass a ball and they want you to create things. I always remember when I come back over the halfway line, they went, Ronnie, don't come back over the halfway line. You do the damage in there, you know, around their area. And I thought to myself, I think I'm going to enjoy myself here. Yeah. <laughs> but but, but that's, it, it's it is, it is, it, it's an interesting thing because English football was so insular at the time. We still had the ban on foreign players coming over to play for England. I mean, yeah. that was only lifted the year after you went. That's yeah. why Spurs got the two lads from Argentina. So we were still very much um, self-contained as a, as a footballing country. Didn't look outwards at all. I mean, it's probably one of the reasons why we didn't qualify for two World Cups, to be fair. 
And so Ronnie's movers, it's like, there's no, we never moved anybody else, but nobody ever came, came mm. here. Like, so it was, was a really unusual um, transfer, to be honest with you. But I say it was great over there, wasn't it? I mean, it was great times playing Holland. I mean, mm. it, it would be like, go, it would be like playing in the league now, wouldn't it? With, yeah, yeah. against yeah. Real Madrid and Barcelona, against their, their level of players. Because the, the level of Dutch club football at the time, was 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 like I actually won the the and and Feyenoord won the European Cup hadn't he in, in the seventies. I think yeah. PSV won. Yeah, yeah. didn't they win the UEFA yeah. Cup in seventy eight? So it was absolutely you know you're talking probably at the time because the top club football basically in the world around that yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. But you're, look, you're looking at um, Rennie and Willie van der Kerkhoff, the two twins playing the World Cup final. You got Hoverkamp um, and and you know Dick Nanniger. I ended up when, when I played in Hong Kong. Uh, you know, having good times with Dick Nanniger out there. I mean, he liked, he liked uh, <laughs> a few orange juice. But anyway, um, but, you know, as Gav said, every team that you went to play against, there was two, three, four, you know, well, maybe not world-class players, but you think, tell you what, this is fantastic. And, and I, I, when I say I learned, but when I come back and, you know, I got the Everton coaching job, but I was coaching before that, I used to play it with the ball all the time. But people, when I used to take the coaching session, they said, he, he does it with the ball. I said, well, you know, when you're knackered, you've still got to kick that ball and trap it and edit. But it was all ball-orientated. You still done the running. But when I'd left Everton, we, we used to be up and down the sandals at Ainsdale, running the woods at the back, which you're talking about health and safety. You wouldn't train there now because there was more yeah. holes there than the dartboard. Yeah. And, and the next minute, you, you know, I think the only one that run on the beach was Red Rum. So we're doing that, and all of a sudden you're going to, to a country that it's football, 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 as I say, with the ball. And and it, it's a totally different angle. And that's where I keep saying about, um, you know, you learn off different, you know, people, different countries, different cultures, you know, pick up what you think's good. But at that time, Holland were top draw. And Johan Cruyff, obviously with Barcelona, he was the original one how to play football that way. But it's, um, I, I, it was a great experience, as I say, but it was just a... Sort of, you know, leaving at a time, which, uh, as I say, is, um, you, you know, leaving Everton Football Club sort of broke my heart. But uh, anyway, you, you, you sort of learn from that. And as I say, it's a character builder, um, you know, with myself anyway as well. Ron, just to get your thoughts um, on Luckman, bringing it forward to the Monday. You spoke about players going abroad on loan and, and you really like it because it makes, makes them realise what they're missing at Finch Farm. It actually had the opposite effect almost for Luckman, hasn't it? Do you think Everton a right to stand firm and say, look, he's not for sale and for no price, you know, it's realistic. They, sh- they should say it should be that, or do you think actually if he wants to go, he's not happy, we should we should cash in? No, as you say, I mean, I mean, you want him to do good, but as I say, he's gone out there, he's really enjoyed himself, but he's getting regular football, Phil, as well. But the thing with Everton, it's gone from 11 to 22. Now, when you think of Richarlison and what he's worth and the likes of Luckman, We've got to hang out as best we can, but I, I think it's at a time now where we're in the driver's seat. You know, if they want them, you know, you can do that. But if I was Silver, I'd sit them down and say, "Look, son, I think you're making a massive mistake. You know, we're on the up. We'd love you to be part of this because you know when he came on against Liverpool, that was the Everton of old. You know, Kincelskis, you know, bit of pace, you get the ball, see a bit of grass, you're in there, and lovely goal. So I'm thinking this kid next season, good pre-season under his belt, he's going to kick on. Then all of a sudden, I don't know what Allardyce said to him. I think that was the start of it. You know, another butte. Uh, you know, you're on your way, so you go to there. And it's a bit like where you, you're young and you think, well, I'll show you. Well, he showed it. Well, come back and do it forever now. But I, but I just think it's a shame if he did go because, as I say, he's exactly what we need. You know, Theo Walcott and, and Richarlison, wide, uh, started the season, both well. 
and you know if Lukeman can, can stay we've got somebody else there pushing saying I want to get in this team but um, but we, we've got to get as much as we can if he goes but it'll be, it will be a shame if he does go actually Gav um, time to use your imagination a little bit here um, bit hard on the pod for me that <laughs> Phil, <laughs> how well would Ronnie fit into a Marco Silva 4-3-3 I think he fits okay because I mean he's playing as you say. Marco likes to play four-three-three, which is pretty much. I mean, like we will play around that time when you were playing. Yeah, yeah. We'd have you two two wingers or up front. You know, uh, I think far best in a four-two-three-one where you probably play have to play a little bit deeper. But certainly playing wide left. I mean, because those are the days where if you're left footed, you played on the left wing. If you're right footed, you played on the right wing. I mean, probably the first one I remember is probably Tony Morley at Aston Villa. Who yeah, swap, yeah, yeah. swap wings where you know yeah. where you play wide left but be right footed. And he was a big Everton fan, wasn't he, Tony Morley? Uh, Tony Morley might become the dinner. Actually. Yeah, right, good, yeah. good, good mate of mine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think it, it was, there was a fad though, Gav, that fellas playing on the left with a right foot used to like to tuck in and have a shot. Yeah. But when you look at it now, when people like Bob Latchford or whoever or Sharpie when Sheeds played. It's nothing better than having a naturally left footer to, to curl it in, chip it in, bend it in, drill it in. You know, you, you, you'll chip it over. John, Johnny Morris had two, two great feet, you yeah. know, but Johnny could go both ways a bit like John, John Robertson. But I mean, being naturally left footed, um, you, you know, you don't have to think, hang on, just concentrating the ball, if, if they've missed the, the full back. But you, you've got to pick people out. And I still think, as a balance in the team, if you're naturally left footed, I'd, I'd go for the left footer. Yeah, getting to the bar, was it? Getting to the bar, wasn't the bar, it, Paul? And right. that was. And, and Josh has made goals, Gav. Yeah. Still, from our day to this day. Well, look at Theo on Theo on uh, on, on Saturday. Was I, for that, I still think know. it's not rocket science, seriously. I, I can't get my head around yeah. it. You know, you, you play with width, if, if, if you know, the middle is, is congested and there's too many people little bit of width and that's what we're starting to do we've got two fellas wide you can do and that's all Theo then you know like, like Beckham Beckham couldn't really go past me because he never had pace but he only needed half a yeah. yard get the crossing and, and that's why yeah, yeah you know. I mean I think the one thing that's probably changed now compared to, to your day is it, and you see with Evan with, with Cheng Tosin is the, the, the importance of having a good relationship between a winger and a centre forward you, you know you played mm. Bob was your centre forward yeah. yeah, really yeah. For, for, for your Everton career and you knew with Bob is like you know Bob's strength was like running from like sort of in the middle of the goal to the near post, wasn't it? And then, so you know, the, the, I, th- I think that's something that's probably been lost in the game over the years is that the the, the relationship between the winger and the well, centre forward, knowing full well what they're going to do, the moves they're going to make, and sort of what the strengths are. And I think um, you know that that's something that I think has, has been lost. And, and centre forward attributes are completely different to the days when when Bob was playing. Well, I think as well, Gavin, it's changed with a mindset of not getting crosses in. Yeah. You know, again, it's backward passing. You know, you don't take responsibility about taking somebody on or getting a cross in early. You know, you need somebody making a run. You know, after time now, the slide tackle's gone now. You, you know, where you, you know in, in our day where the centre forward used to come off mud all over him. Again, you know, the people come off, it's, if it's not right on their head, it, it's there. You yeah. know, and, and again, near post, far post, sliding in. Andy Gray, you know, had, had mud on his nose when he's done the flying header at Notts County. You know, that's a centre forward for me. But, but it, it's sort of now with this passing and, you know, Arsene Wenger done great for the game. But near the end, it was too over passing. And, and it just got where he was a bit of a dinosaur. You know, it, it's gone on. But I'll still go back to even now with Man City when they break. Look at Mendy. You know, Mendy, yeah. Mendy's supposed to be a left back, <laughs> but but he's attacking there like, like a winger, and the crosses are absolutely fantastic. And you ask any centre forward, Aguero, you know, would you have him there 
or, or do you want a fella to check back again onto his right foot who can't cross it, knock it out, knock it back to the centre half? Should we go out the other side now? You know, you could go for a sandwich or, or, or a hot dog and then come back <laughs> yeah. and, he, and he'd still be playing. Yeah. Um, we could we could talk for hours, run about all manner things of your career. So we we've touched briefly on the terraces in the dressing rooms, but the third the third part of the book obviously is on the radio. How much have you enjoyed being part of the BBC Radio Merseyside commentary team for Everton home and away matches? No, it's been great, Phil. I, I mean, I always said the, the the next best thing to um, to playing is coaching. You know, I really enjoyed my time um, you know coaching on the on the Joe Roy when Joe was there. Um, but the punditry, uh, as I say, I mean, like when I first took over, I said I want to say how it is. You know, I'm not going to, you know, if we play bad, I'm going to say, and if we play good, I'm going to say. And I think I get more satisfaction when people say, keep saying that how it is, Ronnie. But I love it. You know, I'm an Evertonian, and and every game that I go to, I look forward to, even under Allardyce, which not as good though, Gav. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you're just thinking, here we go again. But but you, you know, to watch them over a number of years, and I tell I tell some stories, obviously about that as a chapter on Merseyside and games that I've been to and watched them. Um, you know, you're a supporter and you want to be excited. But 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 it's your team. You go out there. But funny funny stories, really funny. I mean, um, some I couldn't put in, but obviously um, <laughs> some of the ones when when you get people on the phone and is is. You know, I mean, and again, I'll state now: everyone's got their opinion. You, you know, it's a bit like the Everton Liverpool thing. You know, as long as it doesn't get nasty, say your opinion. And, and I've said at derby games, I used to love going to Anfield. You know, some say I've never been to Anfield in my life. I wouldn't go there. Well, well, I want to go there, and I want to see my team win, and I want to see my team compete. And you know, the stories, as I say, from from different places that we've been to, which are which are funny. But like yourself, you know, you, you've you've got to do your column. You've got to. You, you know, not not keep sort of pampering to the manager. You know, Phil Kirkbride's got to say how it is because people who can't go the game want to hear Phil Kirkbride's opinion. Yeah. And again, you know, you mightn't agree with it, but that, that's the way it is. You know, that's the way you see the game. That's the way I've seen the game. And you know, we could talk for hours about uh, you know Everton, which we you know we we do most times, and even before and after the game, we always have a chat with. Yeah. Them. But that's how how passionate we are about it and, and about football and especially Everton Football Club. But it's it's just a uh, you, you, you know, um, sort of, you know, that way for 20, I think it's 20, 22 years I've been doing the radio now, which wow. is, uh, started when I was six. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> <laughs> Gav, and, and, and look, don't want to embarrass Ronnie because he's here, but genuinely though, in terms of people who are on the airwaves or, or pundits who are on the telly, nobody speaks more sense about Everton than Ronnie Shirley. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> you... <laughs> Just, just to give you some insight, you, you forget, you know, if you're a co-commentator, it's such a difficult job to do, because I know for myself, occasionally I've done it for hospital radio, and I tell you what, mm. it's hard. Because <laughs> it's not like you are. You see the TV studios, and you've got monitors around them, and all people feeding things into the air, what's going on in the game. You just, you're literally reacting to what yeah. you've just seen, and you've literally got a... You've just been painted the picture about ten seconds before, and you've got to try and remember all the bits in the in the picture and relay it in a in a way that people on the on the on the radio can understand. And I've done it a few times. I tell you what, it's hard. And and Ronnie has Ronnie's. I mean, um, to be complimentary, is absolutely top draw. In, in that, I, I think what's great is a being great at it, but not letting your sort of love for Everton give you colour. Yeah, and yeah. there's 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 lots of, there's lots of talk, talk in the, at the moment. People are on telly like who, who their favourite clubs are and maybe favouring them and all that type of stuff is is 
is is is not letting that sort of get in the way of giving like an honest opinion yeah. you know which is what you want to hear in, in this day and age and uh, you know and, and this is say the, the, the phone is a legendary aren't they you know because <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, 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 what I would say about the phone is, is it, and I know myself when I've, I've been at Merseyside if, if you're winning phone-ins are that easy <laughs> because I probably not a lot of people phone up but it's when, when you've got beat that's the real that's the real challenge, isn't it, Ronnie? Well, well, well that's why you we're know? there, and I keep saying about, yeah. about the opinions, but what does make me laugh, if, if we're talking, I mean, I can go down you know, some legendary ones, but it's when they phone up and then they might disagree with you. So I'll go, right, and, and, and how do you come to that conclusion? Did you go to the game? He went, no, I listened to you. <laughs> so he's listened to me. He's got an opinion like that. You know, so, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. again, you know, you've just got to wash over that, you know, yeah. let them have the say, and then, and then you get on with it sort of thing. But, but, but I wouldn't do it. I mean, it's like with a... You, you know, sort of any players that even see me, you know, do you know what it's like? So it's not being malicious, it's just being my opinion where you want to get it right. And if you're, you know, sitting in the house or for one reason or the other that you can't make the game, I've got to be your eyes and ears to, yeah. to look at reactions, how the game was. And as Gavin said, um, it's live, you know, it's instant. Because all my mates come over to me and say, I can't believe how you don't swear on that radio. Well, hopefully it's been professional and, and <laughs> trying my best. But under under Allardyce, I was pushed. I was really pushed. <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was a strain. But uh, no, but, it, but it, as, as I say, really enjoyed it. I mean, I mean, it, it, it's been fabulous. And as I say, every, everywhere we go, there's something a bit different. If I get when, when you're away from home and you'll be there on, uh, you know, at Bournemouth. I mean, it's some place to get to. I mean, you know. You know, I, love, I love that ground though, Ron. Do you like oh, it? Oh, it's great, mate. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, but this this is why, again, the different, you know, grounds, the different atmospheres, um, uh, the, you know, Bournemouth are the dream. You know, I, you know, I want Leeds back in, in, in the, you know, we can go on about our favourite teams, but Leeds for me were great. I mean, I mean, I touch on about the game I watched when Bobby Collins played, and they called it the Battle of Britain, and um, what a game that was. But anyway, um, but, but they're the type of teams, but again, Bournemouth, it's only 11,000. But when you go there, you'll know they'll play football, they'll be up for it. You know, why shouldn't it be in the Premier League? You know, no one's got a God-given right. But, I mean, th that's the type of thing, when you win the Premier League, you win it on merit. Mm. You, you know, every team's got to go there. And I just hope, you, you know, we, we can say about the 3-3 three, three down there and all that. But, uh, but <laughs> st Still have nightmares of that game. No, no, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, I'll have to stop saying it, but it's in yeah. the book about the 3-3. Three, three, yeah. Because oh, right. what a journey we had and a journey back, which, which was funny. But, but that was evident. Um, for me summed up in 90 minutes when you're looking from the highs and lows and you're thinking no one when it got to 2-2 two -two, is going to get a winner here then Ross goes down bang and you're just thinking happy days and, and within 28 seconds they'd equalised so you think to yourself oh my yeah, you know it's I don't know I've got my me, me own hair and teeth it's incredible. <laughs> Hopefully they are. But we'll be there. Oh, they are, mate. Yeah. They are. I'll, I'll tell you they are. They're not going in any cup. <laughs> but uh, but Saturday, as I say, Evertonians will be there, and and, and you, you know they'll be out in force. But it's a, it's a good ground, and I I'm looking forward to it because you've got two managers there who want to play football. Mm. And Eddie Howe, I know from a you know you know he's an Evertonian, don't yeah. you? Um, he'd love to come to Evan. I mean, he, he we, we I was getting phone calls from some Bournemouth people, and he was saying, get Eddie, get Eddie. Now, Eddie, I just think maybe is just not there quite yet. But Silver's in the same vein, wants to play football the way it should be played. And as I say, hopefully, you know, Saturday there's, there's, there's a few goals, but hopefully in Bournemouth it's not as. Um, so I'll get the uh, official summarisers view on the, on the weekend, Gav. <laughs> but um, what was your thoughts coming away from Goodison on Saturday? Were you encouraged, enthused, happy? 
conflicted emotions a little bit or, or how did you feel positive yeah um couple of things uh maybe one a uh, good performance but it's comforting that after two games you can see silver trying to impose his style yeah. of management on the players and it's already being received um if I don't want to talk about Sam because that was different set of circumstances, but if you talk about, say, Cumin, at no point in Ronald's reign of 81 did you ever see, like, what you, Ronald trying to, this is the Ron, you've got his Dutch, Ronnie, you know yourself, this is the Dutch t- or Ronald Cumin type of football I want to see Evan mm. play, and he just never got that got that at all. Um, to be fair, Martinez did, and Martinez had his own way, he just couldn't make it work eventually, could he? So, yeah, A, uh, imposing. Is 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 style of football on 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 the on the team and and B as we, we spoke before we came in and on a Saturday feel that as you say it was modern football. It's like what I said the other week. You asked the question, what do you want to see out of this season? And this is I want to see us playing the football associated with the top teams in in the Premier League. You know, fast pacey, people work hard, press. You know, which is the modern way of playing. And 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 on that for those two reasons on on Saturday come away thinking you know that was really positive you know impressed still a work in progress defensively still not where we should be but overall on on the two games you know really pleased with with what I'd seen. Ron how excited are you about Richarlison you spoke about him a little bit before about you know how excited about what he could bring to Everton. Well I kicked Morales out the uh, the wingers club a while back (laughs) Richarlison's in there mate his uh, his membership card's winging its way to him but um, no, I, I, superb. I, honestly, for the kid of 21, you, you, you know, forget the, the price tag. You, it doesn't matter. He's here. You know, let's get on with it. But but again, there's an excitement that when he picks the ball, that you think, yeah, he's, he wants to be positive. And, and that's going back to the manager. There's only really and difference than than under Allardyce. Yeah. So the whole mentality of of the players have changed. You've got a manager who's positive, wants to win football matches, not spoil it, and and get out of you know wherever with a point and think it's fantastic. But he's got even the likes of him and Walcott working back. You know, I was impressed there, you know, at Wolves how hard they worked mm. and, and when we were down to ten men. So you're getting people who weren't at the best last season. Um and, 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 and I think that what he's done as well, we always talk about dressing rooms and having harmony. You know, going into Finch Farm now, you don't have a smile on the face. You know, going in last season, you don't want to go to work. It's like you come in the office and, and you think, Oh, here we go again. You're a football player, you want to go in, you want to play, there's smiles on people's faces. There's a manager who wants you to maybe make mistakes now and again, but be positive and, and go there. You, you know, I know we're unbeaten in two games, but I mean, there's no moaning. And what was a really impressed with is, is um, the set pieces. I've banged a drum for I don't know how long. That's what Finch Farm's there for. Yeah, yeah. You know, do the set pieces. Although although Keane got his head on three of them and he, they were right at the keeper, but the goal was fabulous. It went back to the 70s. We, we used to do that free kick in the 70s. Now, yeah. you know, we've seen it, but he's tried it and he's worked on it. Yeah. And, and as soon as it went back to Theo, I was thinking, go on, lad, just just clip it in. Because you don't want to be talking in the pub after, oh, what, what, what a nearly good free kick that was. You know, they'd be talking about it. And it was lovely when all the players ran over because they've worked at it. And when something comes together in, in training, it's great to see on the pitch. So I think, you know, we've got a manager again who wants to work on set pieces and, and do things a bit differently than just have a left footer and a right footer and can we bend it in? And you know, usually it could be Rosehead, you mm. know. But at least there's a manager there and players that we were thinking about it. And Sigurdsson, best delivery since he's been at the club. You know, you know, we've been disappointed with him because because he, he could be an exceptional player. You know, we keep playing and we play him in that role. 
you know, it, it's grown. And as I say, you know, the manager after the game, I think he's a one-on-one. You know, I've heard that he's good. You know, at the other clubs, and that's all you need: an honesty, and you need someone who's going to back you. And I think that's that's where the players are. You know, we're getting the fruits from from what he's been telling them. But but they're all they're all pulling together. Ron, because you said something to me really interesting after the Wolves game when I was chatting to you at the full-time whistle. You said, I'm paraphrasing here, by the way, you said, we'll do well away from home this season. I Explain that to, to the listeners. Well, I really, again, you know, we've always gone about Pickford. Pickford's coming, so we've got a, a keeper, you, you know, who's, who's a class act. Hopefully he's going to be here the next 10 years. Then you've got sort of two centre-hours we've signed, because I think long-term, that them two will eventually come in when everything's fit and all that. Now, for set pieces and especially away from home, if we're strong at the back, you know, Baines in, you've got, you know, Seamus there, and whether it's Ganagay, Snyder, and whoever, we've, we've got pace now away from home where we can break. And, and that's what we've been lacking for a number of years. You know, Kanchelskis was, was the last one mm. maybe since Theo who had a bit of pace. But if you're playing with a bit of width, you just bring them on to you and say, well, right, you know, if we knock this over the top, you're in. And I think it, it'll put teams off. It'll be interesting how Bournemouth line up and, and how they're going to defend. Because I think Saturday, if we play it right and don't give an early goal away, I think we can get a result at Bournemouth. No, no two ways about it. And I think with the confidence of, you know, Theo getting his goal and Richarlison being like a goal machine <laughs> um, after two games. But I, but I think teams will be thinking about it. The only one where I just hope he gets a goal sooner rather than later is Tosin. Yeah. Because I think he looks sharper than last season. Oh, and, infinitely and, sharper. And, yeah. and, and the thing with it is just saying to him, you know, even if it comes off to his backside, as long as it goes in, because he looks a bit, you know, when he gets pulled off, which again, he, you know, he's, he's ran his socks off and all that. It's just is that he's appreciated. You know what I mean? Because he plays with his back to goal. You know, you know what it's like. Balls get played into. You've got to involve other people. But I think away from home, I, I really do. I think we can surprise a, a lot of teams. Gav, we actually did a piece on Tosin, funnily enough, in today's uh, paper and on, on the website this morning, kind of reflecting what Ronnie had said. Do you see a change in evolving, almost like a, a wider responsibility for Tosin, who we he comes alive in the box, doesn't he? He's, he's that predator type striker. Comes alive in the six yard box. You know, relies on service. But is he now having to show because of the way Marco plays? As Ronnie says, back to goal, be more of a link man, hold the ball up. He's still going to get his chances, but he's having to do more for the team. Yeah, selfless, I said, after the game. Uh, you saw at Wolves, if, if you move wide and the Charleston moves inside, you know, lay the ball off. And, and I, I, I've not got a problem with them not scoring as long as the two wingers carry on scoring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, like they did on Saturday. Yeah, and it may be easy, and Ron talked about man yeah. management, sorry, Gav. If he continues to not score, but Richarlison and Theo do, it's Marco putting his arm around and going, you're yeah. still in the team because you're doing a bloody good job yeah, for me. Yeah. How many did Giroud score in the World Cup for France? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, not going to say we're going to win the World Cup, like, but you know, but I say that the centre-forward role, was, it's, it's talking before, on the centre-forward role has changed over the years, so, you know, over the years so much, but especially in the last 10 years, we are not necessarily a goal-scorer, you know, you don't necessarily play right up top. You you, you know, you, you you play as a false nine, or whatever. So, so it's, you're not necessarily judged anymore on how many goals you score. But years ago, when Bob was playing, that that was it. You know, that was your your, your sole indi- you know performance indicator, as it were. Uh, so I think as long as the three of them, between them, get goals and we chip in, I've got not got a problem. He carries on working hard. Well, if the goals get spread around, I mean, when you look down the years as well, leading goal scorers, Aaron Shearer and all that, never won anything. You know, but when you look at Harry Kane, they never won nothing. 
So you've got to you've got to share the load. But 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 as you you know you both alluded to the manager, as long as he's happy with with you, you, you know players start looking at themselves. We haven't scored in four, then five, then six, then seven. You say, well, no, we've won six out of seven and drew the other one. Just keep do what, doing what you're doing. And I always think when he comes shorter, you're taking centre halves and Theo does that run, which is lovely. I mean, Richarlison, you know, scored a lovely goal at Wolves, but he, he's got the ability to to say, well, you know, there's, there's a massive hole there. I'm going to get in there, and that's what we've got to think about. I mean, I think with with Sigurdsson now, um, you know, which I've been really impressed with him, and, and he's the type that can put a pass in there. So I think you know, going back to where we said about away from home, if, if we're cute. You know, we've just got to be really sort of strong at the back. You know, don't give anything. And as I say, I think the two centre hours when, when the fit will, will get in. Although saying about Michael Keane, you know, Michael Keane's done a lot better than he did last year. You know, so I'm not having a pop at him, but I'm just thinking when the whole squad is up and running and, you know, the ability wise, I just think, uh, you know, we can, we can be stronger. And I uh, say Marco Silva could have actually found what Ronald Koeman was looking for last season, which was, in his word, productivity, wasn't it? He was looking for sharing of the goals. Um, and just before we wrap up, and as I said, we could we could talk to you, Ronnie, for hours. And Gav, thanks for coming in again. Um, before we finish, let's speak about another Dutchman, Marcel Brands. Um, Ron, your careers as players didn't quite cross, did they, in Holland? But you know, you you know people from Holland who know him, and and and. and you, did you have any doubts that he would be as impressive as he has been and do the work that he did at Everton so far? No, but when, when I heard it, Phil, you know, I wasn't impressed with Steve Walsh. I thought he was very, very lucky, to be honest. Um, you know, because I've heard stories about the, the you know, the Vardy signing and the Mahrez one. Um, and that, that was off an agent as well. So, it, it, you know, sort of getting them two in the door, his, his, his stock level went right through the roof. And then we took the five-card trick and get him to Everton. Now, Marcel Brands has done it over a long period. Dick Advocat, as I said before, is you know used to play Den Haag with us, uh, and Marcel used to play for Nak Breda, and his son actually played as as well. So he's got a big affinity with with Breda. So, it, you know, it, it's something where again going back to network. He, he's got a network and he's done it over a number of years. He's got Champions League plays. Now PSV, sort of you know haven't won the Champions League obviously, but you, you know they, they get produce a lot of good players. And you know he's the type again with the way Marco Silva, the certain type of player. The two of them think the same. So I think, you know, you know we're not going to see the best until maybe the next transfer window, maybe the one after that. But it's going in the right direction. I think them two could couldn't have been better appointed. I think everyone was pointing the finger and this that, and the other. The two of them I, I think are going to be absolutely excellent. And I think Marcel will, will be you know there, which which he's proved in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I was talking to somebody at the from the club last week and said both hugely intelligent people you know and Marcel has got carries huge authority doesn't he he's, he looks authoritative doesn't he you know he, look, he looks like dare I say like a politician he's got that air of like confidence and, and I think though not necessarily the case all the time I think if you've got a Dutchman with huge football intelligence and intelligence at your club then that's largely an asset you oh know, yeah, yeah you know you 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 know what you know the, the the whole game is founded on intelligence Ronnie as you, you said yeah. like play, from playing 40 years ago and I think with this connections and a close working relationship with Marco it goes back to the John Moore's thing in the early 60s you get that right then the whole thing about getting players on the pitch and playing correctly becomes a lot easier and hopefully that we'll we'll see that this season you know and hopefully in the season beyond of course but I think with him he's got the respect as well of the name you know not just being Dutch of what he's done in the past and as yeah. he said he's a big lad but I mean that goes before you and then once you say he's coming up because again 
you know, I, I think the next transfer window is on. I think we could surprise. But I'd like to say, you know, I, I was delighted to be honest. The way a week before the transfer window was all doom and gloom, that you, you know, the day after brought the smiles on the faces back. You think, hang on, we, we've had a good transfer window there. We've got a few bad apples out the door. You know, hopefully, you know that'll continue and and you know cut the wage bill down, which is tremendous. And then the next transfer window, we can you know maybe do a bit more business. Yeah, I just want one final thing you said last week, and I thought no, that's an interesting thing to say. Was I can't have said it then? Yeah, yeah no, no, no. But <laughs> was I in last week? No, no. What Mark, Mark, what Mark said last week, one of his interviews, he was talking about the the the, 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 the expectations of the of the supporters, big club, you know, having won the trophy, but you know the one success and he said about specifically said about managing those mm. expectations right which I thought was quite a very self-confident thing to say yeah, about by like, keeping control of things in, so are you yeah. saying in terms of it's not necessarily seen as the right thing to say when you talk about manage expectations yeah, yeah. yeah but he's confident within enough to say, to say it. yeah within the this is the work we're doing but within that, we, you know, you've got to understand that we've, we've got to manage your expectations. It's not going to happen overnight. Rather than coming and all top thumping, we're going to do this, that. You yeah. know, you see in the bigger picture there, and and I think um, I thought that was an unusual thing to say in the circumstances. Bear in mind, it was first real set of interviews last week, wasn't it? Uh, but actually, in some respects, I thought it was quite a it was quite a good. Good, good thing to say. It was quite come across, come across well. Under promise, over deliver, maybe Gav or. No, just being realistic. Yeah, I think to be honest with you, um, but being realistic, but knowing how to 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 go forward, which I think we've shown. And it's it's interesting. He, he didn't say much before the end of the transfer window, did he? He did all this stuff after it. Well, again, he, he's got the experience. I mean, this is yeah. the big thing, and and and, and you know, he's, he's been there, done it. Now we are like coming to the Premier League, which is the the creme de la creme. Now everyone wants to be, uh, you know, not just because of wages, but massive clubs. You've got you know some of the best managers in the world, if not the best managers. In the world, so you want to compete on that level, but you, you, you know he has got uh, an authority. But I mean, the Dutch are very, you know, what I cumin, you know, they, they have real opinions, and, and, and I'm not saying they stick to them, but um, it, it, it's the way they are. But with Marcel, again, he's confident in his own ability, which you've got to be. You, you know, if you want to get on in the game, you've got to have self confidence, or, or you, you won't get anywhere. But he's got it, it, it well in abundance, but in the right way. And I just think, uh, you know, we won't stop. I mean, I mean, I know the pair of them will be working again for the next transfer window. You know, hopefully the results keep going the way they are. But you don't want to, you know, rest on your laurels. You know, it's, it's been a good start. You know, we're not getting too carried away. But hopefully in, you know, eight, ten matches, we, we, you know, I'll come back in. And you know, we're, we're talking like that, you know, the same. And we're, uh, we're still unbeaten. <laughs> but, uh, but, that's, but that's football. But, but a real positive start by, uh, by both manager, um, director of football and the players. Indeed, and Ronnie, you are welcome back anytime. Lads, thoroughly enjoyed it. We could have spoke for hours and hours, uh, but we'll cut it short there. Uh, the main reason today was Blue Knows, my footballing story from every angle on the terraces in the dressing room on the radio. Ronnie Goodis's book, which is available next month, and you can uh, pre-order at the website, healththroughsport.com, and the usual channels, and you can get Ronnie on Twitter, of course, and, uh, and our channels will be helping... Uh, push out the information on that thank you very much lads really appreciate it Ronnie thank you for coming in mate and uh, until next time on the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer thanks for listening and stay with us the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo